Welcome to the premiere episode of the You're Still Out Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Needham, a weekend hack who struggles to break 90 but still loves the game of golf. This pod is intended to discuss all things golf with a special emphasis on the PGA and our own weekly struggles with the game. PGA tourney picks, major championship previews, and stories from our weekend rounds at the course are all fair game, as well as a little smack talk and some shenanigans along the way. In this initial episode, myself and weekly contributor, Jonathan Teal, preview the 2020 U.S. Open at Winged Foot and make our predictions for golf's second major of this strange and reshuffled year. In future episodes, we'll be interviewing other golf experts from across the country, and we'll also provide a weekly preview and review of PGA events. We're incredibly excited to launch this new podcast on the Sports Pros Network, and we appreciate you, the listeners, for giving it a chance. So without further ado, here it is, the You're Still Out Golf Podcast, Episode 1. Welcome, everyone, to the You're Still Out Golf Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needleman. I'm joined today in studio by my good friend and golf nut, Jonathan Till. JT, how you doing today, brother? Keith, good to be here, man. Um, I guess, first of all, I prefer golf sicko over golf nut. Fair enough. That terminology so is important. Let's so. go deep on uh, on the golf today. Yeah, I think that you know, starting a golf podcast with you, excited about it. I think that what better a week to do that than with U.S. Open week? Uh, frankly, uh, I guess it, arguably the biggest tournament in the world. You know, maybe the Masters could be up there. Folks might like Augusta a little bit more than the carnage that is the U.S. Open. But yeah, kicking off a golf podcast, no better way to do it than the U.S. Open. Certainly one of the most challenging uh, golf tournaments for sure. And so, yeah, timely, right? So that, that's the reason why we're kicking off the You're Still Out Golf podcast this week uh, because uh, we do have the U.S. Open, and we'll talk uh, at length about uh, our thoughts on the U.S. Open, and, and JT will make his picks, uh, which he's pretty salty, gang, I'm going to tell you right now. Whenever golf nut, golf sicko, whatever, whatever <laughs> depths that you want to dive to, this man uh, has, 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 has gone there from a golf standpoint. So, but JT, you know, before we really get started on the pod today, you know, it's important that we show some love to our primary sponsor, and that's Chalk Sports Bar. Sure. Chalk is Oklahoma City's premier luxury sports bar located in Chisholm Creek Plaza at 1324 West Memorial Road. Follow Ben, Chad, and the whole Chalk team on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at chalkokc. Make Chalk your 19th hole and catch all the weekend action from the U.S. Open on their dozens of big screens while enjoying some great food in a tremendous atmosphere. Always the favorite, that's Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. Well, JT, let's get into it, brother. So before we look ahead to the U.S. Open uh, coming up on Thursday, let's take a look back at some of the news that popped up over the weekend and, and, and over the last couple of days. I mean, the first news story that we can start with is, is on the PGA Tour, and that of Stewie Sink winning his first tournament since 2009 uh, at the uh, Safeway. Out of um, absolutely <laughs> out nowhere. Out of nowhere. So his first, uh, first win, I should say, since the British Open Championship uh, over old man Tom Watson 11 years ago. Talk a little bit about that. And, and again, where the hell did this come from, JT? Well, so clearly the guy's been grinding. If you if you haven't seen it, go out and Google Stuart Sink Hat Tan, and you will be blown away 
by the amount of hours this guy spends in the sun. As a bald man, I can I can relate, can and I I'm an, I'm impressed by his hat tan. It's it's so I think first and foremost that's where we start, right? Yep. Folks might think, oh, we start with uh, how was his ball striking, the putting, the hat tan, unreal. But yeah, Stuart Sink. So every week, I'm in some sort of golf pick'em, golf fantasy. Who's gonna win? Who's gonna make the cut? Stuart Sink was so far off the radar that in like a 65 man pick'em. Stuart Sink wasn't, wasn't, wasn't there. So you're saying Stu, Stewie Sink would have been good value in a fantasy draft this week? That uh, The biggest value, I would think. Um, <laughs> and I think that uh, I'm a big, speaking of, of the Safeway, right? The Safeway Open, I'm yep. a big Harry Higgs fan. So uh, one of the things you're going to learn in this pod is some folks that maybe you have not heard of. You've even heard of Stuart Sink, obviously, wins the 09 Open Championship. Big Harry Higgs fan here. He's been trying to break out, trying to get a big win, and who pops up? But Stuart Sink to take him down, much like he does over Watson in the 09 British Open. Right? Maybe not the same vitriol that uh, that was directed <laughs> at Stewie in the 09 uh, British Open over Old Man Tom, as, as the same as was uh, for Harry Higgs. Well, the Harry Higgs weekend, fans but... are up in arms. I yeah. can tell you. Yeah. Okay? Well, you know, now let's not let's not feel too sorry for Harry Higgs. I, I think he did take home roughly. I think it was seven hundred grand. I think was what second place took home. Yeah, the, not a bad Safeway. payday. So uh, a good good scratch if you can get it for four rounds of, of golf over the weekend. So not too shabby. Not yeah, too but shabby. but in all seriousness, I think you know. Congrats to Stuart Sink. Uh, the guy, by all accounts, well, from what we read in the media, etc., is a great guy, family man, handles himself with class. So uh, happy, happy for Stewart. Yeah, you know, and in, in, in last note on this, I was absolutely shocked at how long ago that hmm. British Open Championship was. Two thousand nine. If I, I was thinking like, oh, what he won the British Open, what twenty fourteen, twenty thirteen, right, five right. six years ago, whatever it's been, eleven years ago. So it's a uh, time. Time flies, and uh, and we're getting old, man. So that was the uh, the one takeaway uh, from him popping back up in the news this weekend. Uh, but congrats, like you said, uh, a big win for Stewie and uh, a little bit of momentum and a, and a nice paycheck for sure. Again, I think it was about roughly a 1.2 mil, I think, was what uh, uh, he, he pocketed yeah, for, for winning. Yeah, and I think the other way. big thing, the money is huge. And for those guys, maybe not so much. But I think Stewart, what, 47? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, 47, 47 years old. 47 years old, what he gets with that win is a two-year exemption onto the tour, back onto the tour. So he's been playing on different sponsors' exemptions and whatnot. So he has a smooth sailing ride to the Champions Tour now, right? 48, 49, he can play it on tour, whatever events he wants. 50, boom, Champions Tour, that's where he really starts to rake it in. Coast ride into the, the uh, to guys, the Champions right? Tour at 50, Speaking absolutely. Speaking of the old guys. Yeah, yeah, one of yeah. my favorites. Yeah, uh, won the Champions Tour event this week, right? Uh, yeah, the mechanic, right? So uh, Miguel Angel Jimenez, right? Uh, uh, pulling it out uh, on the uh, Champions Tour. Uh, I'm trying to remember that it's a South, tournament is in South Dakota. It escapes me now as to the name of the uh, the, the tourney that uh, that he won. So yeah, I mean, um, it's spots. It's like the uh, the Sanford Health Invitational. Yeah, Sanford. That's right. Like the that. Sanford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Got to keep up with all the sponsors, right? Yeah. Well, his his post uh, his post match interviews are always the best, right? I'm, I'm going <laughs> to smoke a cigar. I'm going to have a glass of wine, sure. and uh, I'm going to go uh, a wine down this is what i do so that uh you know the jokes and the uh, the corollaries have been made about him being the most interesting man in the world but he seems to be one of the the, the most uh, or, or at least most comfortable with himself again his post-match interviews they rarely disappoint so but who, who doesn't want to uh, smoke a good stogie and have a glass of red wine uh, after a successful round uh, uh, at the course absolutely uh, yeah so well 
you know, moving to some, some to some news, and again, we're starting to get into U.S. Open mode, and so let's let's kind of start looking uh-huh. ahead to a certain degree now. But you know, some some tough news, I guess, from the U.S. Open this week, in that we've had a couple of guys have to withdraw due to positive COVID tests, and, and that being Scotty Scheffler, and uh, most recently this morning was was that of Sam Horsfield uh, had to withdraw uh, due to uh, their their positive COVID test. But you know, it's crazy. It, we've seen this permeate and affect you know so many other sports. Uh, throughout the last uh, few months as sports have kind of got going again and restarted. And so to a certain degree, it felt like the PGA had kind of avoided it perhaps, or at least it hadn't been in the news quite as much as other sports. But uh, two, two go down this week. Uh, and again, tough for those guys because obviously if you have an opportunity to play in the U.S. Open, you, you definitely want to take advantage of it. But uh, tough break for those two guys, JT. Well, I think on top of being the U.S. Open and and wanting to play two guys that are in good form, right? Scheffler, Scheffler, really high finish yeah. uh, at the PGA. Uh, Horsefield, I believe, won at least one, maybe two events recently on the Euro Tour. So, two guys that you know coming into the U.S. Open thinking playing well, see if I can make some noise. Yeah, disappointing for those guys. I do think you know with COVID and the PGA Tour, I want to say that first couple weeks back, at several positive tests. I think since then it's been fairly limited, at least what the, what they've released publicly. Right, uh, who right. knows what's happening behind the scenes? Sure. But I think that these two guys in particular, and, and certainly uh, Scheffler more than more than Horsfield, have a had a had a legit chance to contend, and so so that's disappointing. Outside of COVID, you know, the other big 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 name, the killer that's not going to be playing, Mister Kepka. Really tough to see Brooks not here. Uh, knee injury. He's been battling, I think, for a while. Probably has been worse than anybody's known about. But you kind of add him in with Scheffler. You kind of have a couple big names that you know that are with us this week. That probably uh, talking about the betting scene. Yep. Probably have been a couple of favorites. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Kepka is a huge loss, and and man, he he's just had an injury plague twenty twenty, and if you know twenty twenty wasn't a big enough kick in the nuts for all of us to begin with, so he he's sure. had it uh, uh, doubled up and complicated with uh, with leg uh, injuries. I think knee and hip for the most part, uh, uh, as to what he's had issues. I think this was a left knee that's going to keep him out this week, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, he he started off the year at at, at rank number one in the world, and I think has dropped down to eighth or ninth now, uh, simply because he hasn't been playing in tournaments. Yeah. Starts, the, yeah. yeah, yeah, the couple that he did play, he had to withdraw uh, because of the uh, the injuries, and so uh, tough break there. And and was a guy that you would anticipated uh, would have um, would have been uh, competing or at least been in the mix uh, had he been healthy, uh, given his recent form well, in mean, major championships. Let, let me tell you his last three U.S. Open finishes: tied for second, win, win. That's so pretty I good. I would say that's 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 good, right? It's, pretty I mean, good. it's not perfect. Good. Not it's perfect. not perfect. It could have been better, but that's pretty good. It could have been so. better. So yeah. I can tell you that while obviously the the class acts that are the PGA Tour would uh, would never you know, wish ill on anybody else, I can tell you that the rest of the field probably not that upset that Brooks is uh, got the got the knee up resting. Well, well, JT, let's focus on the guys who are going to be there this week. And, and pairings come out this morning, and, and we've got some some superstar groupings for Excited. Thursday and Friday. And we have to start with with the, the initial grouping of uh, our man Tiger Woods, Colin Morikawa, and Justin Thomas, who's stolen your your moniker of JT. Uh, yeah. We'll get to that later. Yeah, Co- we'll, copyright, we'll, you know, patent pending. For sure. uh, but, uh, yeah, that that's obviously the group that I think stands out. But there are a lot of other really good groupings as well. You know, obviously, uh, d- defending champ Gary Woodland being paired with Shane Lowry and the U.S. amateur Andy Ogletree. But uh, talk a little bit about, 
obviously the premier pairing for Thursday and Friday to start with, and then we'll get into some of these other pairings that yeah, were announced I mean, the, this morning. The premier pairing from an entertainment standpoint, certainly Tiger, uh, Morikawa, and JT. Obviously, Morikawa, JT, in great form. Uh, we have Morikawa coming off his PGA Championship win. JT, I think three wins this year. Going to be neck and neck with DJ for player of the year. I think that that's certainly the one you point to. That's without even talking about the most needle-moving athlete, probably, of all time in the big cat in that group. So if uh, if you can get to a television or a stream, whatever it's on at 7 a.m. on uh, Central Time on Thursday, you better get to better get to your screen for that one. Might be more comfortable for you to show up to Chalk, I think, what, 1230 on Friday for their second round. I believe that's correct. It'd be very comfortable for everybody to get out to Chalk and enjoy that group. It'd be a good way to ease into the weekend. Maybe you take off, uh, work a couple hours early, uh, open a couple beverages, or or, or order a couple beverages at Chalk, and watch that premier group on Friday afternoon. Yeah, but I, I love the way that the U.S. Open does pairings. You know, we have DJ, Bryson, and Tony Finau in a group. I mean, bombs away quite possibly the the best average driving distance of any trio uh in a major major tournament of all time i don't i don't know that's a stat i'm pulling that out of my ass but i'm gonna go ahead and say that yeah according to a a study we made up for this podcast that is absolutely accurate yeah uh i think another one that a lot of people certainly in these parts are going to be interested in is the uh, the all osu pairing i believe we have mr ricky fowler matt wolf and victor hovland tnr at uh 138 Eastern, so about 1230 here on Thursday. I mean, that's one that's going to be a fan favorite for folks here locally. Uh, I think that the all-class group of uh, McElroy, Adam Scott, and Justin Rose, I mean, that's a squeaky clean threesome. So I think those are, what, three or four groups to really focus on over the first couple days as folks jockey to to make the cut. I mean, frankly, at the U.S. Open, it's all about making the cut because anything can happen over the weekend. I mean, we've seen guys come from way back. Absolutely. I mean, hell, at at this tournament back in 06, we saw guys come from way back with like three holes left. Anything can happen at a U.S. Open. So those are the three that I, excuse me, four that I would keep an eye on. That recall to 2006, ladies and gentlemen, is what we call a transition you know, one group uh, that, that we need to focus on, or at least we didn't mention there, mention was Phil Mickelson uh, being paired with Paul Casey and number two ranked John Rahm, and they'll, they'll kick it off on a Thursday afternoon. Obviously, the return to Wingfoot for a U.S. Open, it brings back memories and recollections of that 2006 U.S. Open in lefty going into 18 with a one-stroke lead. Uh, and then having it all fall apart. You know, one of the most memorable meltdowns, maybe outside of a Jean Vandeveld at the at the Open, uh, you know, so many moons ago. But, uh, you know, this one, Lefty had played so great during that year as well. That's what I think a lot of people don't recall is that he won the 05 PGA. He won the 06 Masters earlier in the year, yep. and he was going for his own, you know, Mickle Slam or slam. Tiger Slam, whatever, you know, win four in a row, right, whatever you want to call it, um, and, and to be so close and to have it fall apart in such grand fashion. You know, we talked about the 09 British Open being a long time ago, JT, but but what are your recollections and what are your memories of that 06 U.S. Open uh, where Mickelson was on the 18th tee with a one-stroke lead and then double bogey uh, and, and, and lost it on the on the 72nd hole. Well, definitely remember it vividly. So, admittedly, I was a Phil hater, huge Tiger guy. Phil could have missed every cut. It wouldn't have made – nothing would have made me happy. He was a he was a divisive character back then. It's true. You were either Team Tiger or Team <laughs> Phil. Yeah, there was, there was no in-between. If 
if you're somebody who was watching golf at this time, you remember these commercials, like what's Phil going to do next? I mean, make me want to puke, right? So that being said, my memory of that is actually getting back to the house a little bit later than I wanted to and seeing that he had, I want to say, a three-shot three shot lead going into 16. Three-shot lead going into 16. With three holes to play, he was at plus three. Everybody remembers Phil blowing it. What people don't remember as much is we had Monty at plus four. We had three different guys at plus five, and plus five ended up winning it outright without a playoff. That's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Jeff Ogilvie. Is that, is that Ogilvie right? was yeah. our winner. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Finished yeah. at plus five. And, uh, you know, a great win for him. I think he chipped in on 17 for par uh, to kind of to get it into the house. But, yeah, I remember Phil, you know, obviously blowing it Ray Wright. Afterwards saying, I'm a huge idiot. I yeah, really can't just, believe I just did that, I think I was the quote. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at the time, I was happy. When you look back all these many years, and that being the one major that Phil has not captured, kind of feel a little bit bad for the guy, especially now that he's become a little bit more fun and, and easy to root for with all his shenanigans with yeah. hitting bombs and drinking coffee for wellness and showing off the calves, yeah, going so out to the senior tour and you know, beating guys around like it's kindergarten dodgeball. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. It, it does feel a bit unfair that he uh, he uh, fifty years old now and he would he does qualify for the uh, for the Champions Tour as well. That it doesn't seem like he should be out there yet. But the, the great ones always say that comedy is tragedy plus time. You know, along those lines, you know, at least Phil, uh, fourteen years later, has a little bit of perspective because I think uh, there were some tweets uh, that he sent around this week uh, talking about someone had laid some some big time bets <laughs> on him at you know eighty to one, yeah, seventy five to one. He said, well, hopefully for both of us, I have a three three sh- three, three yeah. shot lead going into the 18th hole and so uh you know again a little bit of time a little bit of distance from it I, i'm sure that he uh, uh can laugh about it now but man had had to be an absolute gut punch uh, at the time though just a, just a crushing way to lose uh what would have been his third major in the row so i got i got a little trivia for you if you if you uh, would indulge me lay it on me man who was in so phil was in the final pairing uh, i'm sure most people remember that or if they don't remember it certainly makes sense he was in the lead kind of choked it off late who was in the final pairing with Phil that day. I only know this because I did a little bit <laughs> of, of research, research uh, but I believe his name was Ferry. His uh, name was Ferry. Yeah, F E R R I E. Kenneth Ferry. Yeah, yeah. That while Phil's meltdown was late and very heroic. <laughs> Ten cup esque, yeah, to a certain degree, sure. Uh, Mr. Ferry melted down for the entirety of the day. I mean, tough spot to be in with Phil, uh, but that's a trivia question. At your maybe you're having lunch this week. Obviously, Phil's going to come up a lot. You can get your folks with uh, who was in the final pairing. Who do you just take a wild guess? I'll get. I'll give you fifty guesses at who was <laughs> yes. in that final pairing. For a hundred bucks, and I guarantee you're going to win some money, unless, of course, they're podcast listeners, which you know, good on them. Hey, absolutely, yeah, and that's one of the bonuses for for listening to this podcast is that you get this type of brilliant trivia and insight by a self-proclaimed golf psycho, right? So, so <laughs> sicko. Uh, sicko, sicko, sicko. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I got to get that right. Yeah, so, get that right. Yeah, that, that there's definitely a, a distinction between those two. So. We're going to talk a little bit more at length about the U.S. Open a little bit later in the pod. And again, uh, JT and I will both give our picks and best bets for what uh, we think is going to unfold on Sunday afternoon at Wingfoot. But before we get to that, 
Jonathan and I have been known to play a round of golf ourselves from time to time. And, you know, we, we have our own struggles with the game, as everyone does. But I'll tell you, you know, Jonathan has been the commissioner uh, or founder. or I, what, what would be your official title for this, this special tournament that's coming up this weekend, JT? Yeah, official title is MISH, which is short okay. for commish, which okay. is short for commissioner. So you're okay. right on there. So. Definitely the founder. Uh, I want to get that right, but but a little tournament that is entering its fifteenth year that uh, that JT and some and some guys. This was even before I had met Jonathan Teal many moons ago. But it's called the Slump Buster Invitational uh, Slump Buster uh, Tournament, and, and, and it's really a unique format for a bunch of and that we run the gamut, right? So you have guys that are scratch or single digit handicaps, and it goes all the way up to doofers like myself that uh, that might be a somewhere between a fifteen and an eighteen handicap. So I won't divulge which. So it depends on who I'm playing against, how, how many strokes I'm going to make them give me. You have to talk about the origins of the Slump Buster, JT, how it began, how it all came about, and how it's evolved over the last 15 years. And, and what, and we'll get into what we expect to happen this weekend. Uh, that that kind of goes along or coincides with the U.S. Open. Yeah, well, I think uh, if you're listening to this podcast, obviously you, you like golf. You probably play a little bit of golf. Keith mentioned that he and I are both, uh, you know, weekend hackers. We like to get out there and, and have a few shots that keep us coming back, as people like to say. And I think everybody who played golf for any length of time uh, as an amateur you know, likes to get out there and, and be a little bit competitive and doesn't really have the avenue to do that. And that's what the Slump Buster has become over the years. Frankly, it originally started back in 06 when I lived in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, not a lot going on in Wichita, unfortunately. Tough to get my buddies from Oklahoma to come up and see me. And so I literally created this golf tournament to con folks into coming up to I-35, <laughs> hanging out with me in Wichita. Now, don't want to don't want to piss off any of our Wichita listeners. I'm sure there are many. Oh, it's a lovely town. I've been there a great few times. town. It's a lovely town. I'm actually a kind of a shocker fan by by default, having lived there for several years. Great so, baseball program. Great a lot. Great basketball program. program big deep Frankly, runs. Frankly, a lot of madness. really good municipal golf. I'm, yeah, Rolling Hills Country Club up there is a really nice club as well in Wichita. So Keith's yeah. more the C-suite guy. I'm more of a yeah. you know a, a muni <laughs> guy. So I, we can we can say that for a different pod. But 06 in Wichita got everybody to come up. And uh, really expected it just to be kind of a one-off deal. And then move, happened to move back to Oklahoma the next year. And, you know, 15 renditions, I guess 14 renditions later, about to be the 15th this weekend of the Slump Buster Cup. And so we've adopted a lot of different traditions. Format has, you know, changed over the years, uh, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit. But, you know, it's just an opportunity for folks who don't normally get to kind of play by the rules and put everything out and really kind of get to experience that tournament pressure. Oh, yeah. I mean, and there is. I mean, it's crazy to think that, again, if you're you're used to, again, hacking it around the course and posting an 80, somewhere between 85 and 95 uh, to get to the final round on a Sunday at the Slump Buster – if you're in, if you're in the final pairing, your hands start shaking. You start trembling, despite the fact that there, there, there is a small bit of, uh, amount of money that's that's at stake. But it's more about to go down in the history books as a slump buster champion. But you know, before we get to the format this year, JT, which there were a couple of tweaks to it, and and I, I I'm excited to see how these tweaks play out this weekend uh, with some of the new uh, not pairings per se, but some of the different rotations as to the format that's kind of go going to happen on. Uh, Saturday and Sunday. Let's talk about the venue 
And the venue is that of of Lincoln Park uh, Golf Course uh, here in Oklahoma City, a muni course, but a muni course that's had a little bit of an upgrade over the last couple of years. Oklahoma City's really put a lot of money into the clubhouse uh, and the practice facilities and things that go along with that. Fantastic venue, just a couple of miles uh, from our respective homes here in in and around uh, downtown OKC, JT. But talk a little bit about Lincoln. Have you been out there recently? Uh, you know, how's it looking? How's it playing? Uh, what do you expect the conditions to be this weekend? Well, I expect the conditions to be phenomenal. Uh, you know, Lincoln Park. We're is, blessed this week. It's great weather in Oklahoma, by yeah, the way. Yeah, Lincoln Park, uh, 1926, uh, opened up. Originally a nine-hole complex. Uh, it's expanded now all the way to 36 holes. And, frankly, I've never seen Lincoln in better shape. Definitely got to give a shout-out uh, to Aaron Christopete, the head professional, Steve Carson, the director of golf, out at Lincoln. Uh, they just have that place in phenomenal shape. And that's despite, believe it or not, COVID has brought folks out of the woodwork to play golf. I was it's talking crazy. with those guys a couple weeks ago yeah. at a commission meeting, and – they have had more rounds of golf at Lincoln in 2020 through what would that have been through August than they did of all of 2019. So they've already exceeded that, and that was with a month of being closed during uh, the, the initial part of COVID. Yeah, so. I think I think people started to get stir crazy around Memorial Day weekend with the shutdowns and the lockdowns and all the things that were happening. And and, and golf courses were one of the few things that that you know you're outside uh, and, and that did open up relatively early when uh, when everything started to reopen again. And so it seems a, a little bit crazy, but once you think about it, it's like yeah, no, I'm sure that that's probably right. People are are, are craving to uh, to get out of the house and in uh, in at least. Do something different. Look at something different, right? right. So, uh, but that that definitely makes sense. So, before, but again, before we get into the format, JT, I want I want to point out that I think you have said that this is the biggest field in the fifteen year history of the Slump Buster, and we got 20, 25, 25 guys, twenty four yeah, guys, twenty four guys. Wow, and okay. one can only assume that's kind of an extension of all the golf being played during COVID and the uptick in, in rounds and folks getting out of the house, maybe. Uh, in addition to that, keeping it local you know, at at a Lincoln Park here in Oklahoma City, where the you know, the vast majority of of our participants are here in Oklahoma City, Norman, and the surrounding areas. Although we will have folks as far away as Kansas City uh, coming down to participate. Uh, the aforementioned beautiful Wichita, Kansas, have some folks coming down. I think that um, having it local uh, was an uptick. You know, we've we've rotated around to several places. Sometimes it feels more a little more of a guy's buddy's trip out of town. Yeah, last year we were at Fort Fort Cobb, right? Fort Cobb so, State, yeah, Park State Park a year ago. Mm-hmm. So about an hour and a half outside Oklahoma City, right southwest of OKC. Right. Yeah. 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 So Lincoln, you know, was a, was an easy choice for me. You you asked, you know, have I been out there recently? I it's probably my second home. Uh, anytime you walk into a place, it's kind of like Norm at the bar. You walk in and they say, "Hey, Jonathan, how's it going?" You know, you've uh, probably been spending a lot of time out at Lincoln. So. Yeah, we're excited about being out there. Going to play two rounds on Saturday on the West Course. Play the final round over on the East Course, which has uh, Perry Maxwell Greens. I know a lot of folks in Oklahoma, big Perry Maxwell fans uh, of design fame from the Golden Age. So, yeah, excited to be at Lincoln for sure. 24 guys, biggest field ever by, by a lot. I think Quite my biggest, the biggest, uh, maybe it was 18. I think it was yeah, maybe 16 or 18 last year, which was a big field. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's going to be an absolute sweepstakes, bananas, probably a little out of control because I can't, it's hard enough to keep track of 15 guys, yet alone 24. So there, there is a little uh, a factor or, or a, a, an analogy of, of herding cats is what most people would refer to, but this would be like herding drunk cats. 
Uh, yes. Because there, there, there is a little bit of adult beverages that are typically consumed, uh, certainly on Friday night beforehand, which we'll talk about that in a moment, uh, but, but typically Saturday afternoon as well. But uh, the concept, the format, let's, let, let's lay out the whole weekend for our listeners, JT. So, so you know, hey, maybe, maybe someone is listening to this podcast in, in West Virginia. Maybe someone's listening to this podcast in Nebraska. Maybe someone's listening to this podcast uh, in Ohio. They hear this and think, man, that is that sounds like a really fun deal. I've got ten or twelve buddies that are that are slap dicks who like to play golf, and I'd like to get together and do something similar. Lay it out for everybody because you know you really have as a commissioner and founder of this tournament, you've put together a format that, regardless of whether you're a scratch golfer or whether you're struggling to break ninety on the weekends, everyone's competitive, everyone has a good time, and, and it really is a unique setup. Uh, in one of the most enjoyable tournaments that I've ever been a part of, uh, for sure. But talk to us a little bit about the format and how you how you conceived this and kind of brought it together and what uh, the competitors can expect this weekend. You know, it's obviously evolved over the years. You do something for 15 years, things are going to change. Uh, originally, we had kind of a mix and match of kind of pairing people up in teams, and that score counted towards the overall cup. And then we would do some stroke play that kind of added into it. But I think it was 2012 we switched to the format that we have now, which is folks playing nine-hole match play matches against another individual that are handicapped. And so we got Trey Lewis, for example, that's coming in, I think, to this tournament like a four handicap. And he is going to match up in the first round against Bobby Gibson. Bobby's ended a 14 this year. We'll, we'll get to the... Folks who have already been called out for sandbagging. That's a whole oh, other yeah, conversation. Yeah. A lot of lot of lot of back and forth on the email threads this week. A lot of smack talk already started. Yeah, yeah. Which, which frankly is part of the fun of it, right? Is let's let's have a good time. Let's razz each other a little bit. Handicaps are always a hot topic there. But going back to that format, so you got Trey, who, you know, ninety nine times out of a hundred in stroke play is gonna dust Bobby off pretty easily, even though Bobby's an okay capable golfer. Well, in this format we're able to play nine holes of match play. Every hole is worth a point. So Bobby can go out there as a 14 handicap. Maybe he blows up, makes an eight. That's just one hole. We move on to the next one. And so we're able to do that in a way that kind of uh, equals the playing field from a skill level, but still requires you to play good golf kind of to come out on top. So you play those matches uh, over the course of two days every hole being worth a point, and then ultimately the two guys, two guys in ties, uh, like we had last year. Yeah, yeah. Had a tie for a second. That have the most points, then transition into a one or more hole playoff for the actual title. And I got to tell you, that is awesome. <laughs> it was. Um, I, I I did not make it to the final last year, and, and you did not. Nor did I. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, to be a part of that and just watch those guys uh, sit on the tee and, and knowing that they've got butterflies in their stomach again, the, the, the hands will tremble if you're in the final, despite the fact that you know we're not playing for a million dollars. That that's for sure. But uh, uh, the competitive format and the nature of it, and knowing that all your buddies are surrounding the tee box, uh, it, it's a, the closest thing to a gallery that most of us will probably uh, ever ever encounter in our our golf careers but it, it really is an enjoyable format that that final hole playoff or could be a couple holes right so one hole wasn't enough to decide the final last That's year right. we'll, we'll get yeah. to that here in a moment so yeah. 
So that that's basic. That's the basic setup. You know, and I it's kind of surprised me over the years playing golf with a ton of different people. Not everybody understands match play. They still kind of look at it as, uh, you know, if I shoot fifty on a nine and my competitor shoots forty and I'm getting six strokes while I shot a forty four. That's not how match play works. It's literally hole by hole. So if Trey wins that first hole, you know, four to eight, that's a point. We step to the next tee, once again, equal playing field. If that's one of the hardest nine holes that they're playing that day, Bobby, in that case, gets a stroke on that hole. So he's kind of playing at an advantage. So it's a great way to equal things out, uh, to create some excitement, to be able to play with a lot of different guys, and at the same time, have, have an enjoyable experience out on the golf course uh, that uh, isn't isn't too serious. Just enough. Yeah, just enough so just you feel it. Serious. Yeah, yeah. If you make it to the final, it becomes real serious real quick. But uh, the uh, the other um, you know, 72 holes leading up to it are, are, are relatively enjoyable. Uh, and it only becomes stressful at the end. But you, you mentioned the handicaps. And so, you know, again, just to give our listeners a little bit of insight, you know, we've got guys that are in that are three or fours. And then we have guys that range all the way to the 20 to 22 range. So it really does run the gamut. And it's crazy to think that, you know, I think back to the final last year of the playoff, we had uh, Sean Lambert, who I think is in that 20-ish range, give or take, that was in the playoff. And then we had Trey, you mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. uh, who's in the three to four range. And then we had the eventual champion, uh, our our guy John Zimmerman, exactly. who's who's in the eight to nine range, a, a pretty decent golfer. Uh, certainly, you're you're a single single digit handicap. After do we have three playoff holes last year? I think it was two or three. Uh, yeah, that, I think um, we went. Uh, yeah. I think we went three holes. We put eighteen twice, then ran it back on number ten. Pretty exciting, and you know Sean was right there as the you know twenty handicap right yeah. right in it till the end. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that speaks to. The you know, different range of player that can kind of get in that final. Now, I will say, got to give it up to Trey Lewis, the man I call TL three. He's played in it three years. He's been in the playoff three times. He's a pretty good golfer. Right? So, <laughs> it's so evidence the by cream yeah, yeah. generally <laughs> rises, if you will. But again, it was tough every year that he's been in that playoff. He's been pushed to the limit. Yeah, and, uh, and, and and didn't I think two years ago got got taken down. So. Yeah, yeah, and, and remind me, I believe that was Zimmerman's second slump buster championship, right? So he's got a couple jackets in the closet now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, excuse me while I humble brag a uh, little here bit. Here we go. Here. here we go. But John Zimmerman is a two-time slump buster champion. Uh, 2019, and I believe his first victory was 2015. The only other two-time champion of slump busters. Is the Mitch. I'm in the presence, right? You I am are in, in the, the presence, presence of a two-time slump buster champion. Two-time slump buster champion. Oh nine and eleven. You know, I have those green jackets hanging very proudly in my closet. You know, I will say that I haven't won since I changed this format. So that's I kind think of a that's tough a testament thing. to your credibility, credibility as a commissioner, though, JT. So that that that's the only takeaway that someone can. Uh, derived from That's the fact fair. that, hey, look, we've expanded the format, we've made it more competitive, we've made it more uh, inclusive uh, for all types of golfers, and the fact that you 
have been so benevolent uh, in doing that, perhaps to your own detriment. Now, I'm not going to say that, JT. Now, I'm pretty sure I had you in the Calcutta auction last year, so, so you did cost me a little bit of money, yeah. and, and we'll, we'll get to that here in a moment uh, as to the Friday night yeah. activities. But uh, um, I, I, I've heard that you've got a few rounds of golf in this summer, and, and you're striking the ball pretty well. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll that, talk about uh, maybe who the favorites are here in a it, moment. When but. it comes to handicaps, you, know, you honestly want to come out of that weekend People saying you were sandbagging because that means you played well. Unfortunately, the last several years, those comments have not been directed my way. So clearly, <laughs> clearly, I either have a vanity handicap uh, or I've actually played like shit. I was I was catching that flack on Saturday last year because I was in it. I want to say that I was in second place after the first day, after the first thirty six holes, and people were calling calling me uh, out and, and and talking shit about my handicap, but true to form, I, uh, I definitely pissed it all away on Sunday and I was out of the running by the time it got to the final few holes, uh, on Sunday afternoon. So I've got, I feel like I've got 36 holes in me and I can keep it together. But whenever we get to that Sunday round, uh, again, I, I just couldn't, couldn't make it happen. Now the, uh, uh the copious amounts of, of Miller light and, and Kerr's light that were consumed Saturday night probably did not aid me in that 7.30 tea time on Sunday morning. And so <laughs> you live and you learn that if you're in it and you have an opportunity to compete on Sunday, maybe ease off uh, on the uh, on the cold beverages. But, uh, again, uh, that's something that I'll take forward, uh, and, and we, uh, we'll learn from those well, mistakes. Well, yeah, we learn from our mistakes. We learn from our mistakes, yeah. We trust yeah. the process. We keep, we keep on. Yeah. But, but let's talk about, you know, speaking of cold beverages, let's talk about the Friday night festivities that uh, are that go along with the Slump Buster Tourney. Again, really just the camaraderie in the in the fun that takes place on on the night before the tournament starts is, a, is just as big a part of the action on the, uh, on the tees totally and the greens agree. on Saturday and Sunday. So, what are you planning for Friday night's activities this year? And, and talk a little bit about the the player auction that kind of goes into that and where a little bit of the side action comes into play on Friday night, and it really comes into play on Sunday morning uh, whenever uh, players start uh, uh, swapping and trading and, uh, and making picks on that front. Yeah, so what Keith's talking about here is our Calcutta that we've done, I want to say, for the last six years or so. You know, Every year we're tournament together like this you're trying to spice it up a little bit each year add new little wrinkles and the calcutta was a great one uh, i think back in i think it was 2013 so pretty simple uh, we have all the golfers we have them in a pot we draw their name out and uh once again yours truly serves as the auctioneer and we just start bidding them off right it's like auction them off I try to really, really play up every golfer, play up what their strengths are. I, I make stuff up if I have to. A lot of stuff's made up. I a think, lot yeah. of stuff's <laughs> made up. Uh, most of it funny. I can tell you that by the end of that, takes about what an hour to do. I am completely wiped. Voice. I is bet gone. it takes longer this year with a bigger field, an yeah, expanded field. field. Yeah. That, that's gonna it's gonna be a marathon on Friday evening. I think. Yeah. So, so there is a lot of jockeying for position. Uh, who who gets who? Obviously, the high. Uh, Excuse me, the low handicappers or hot commodities mm-hmm. uh, when they get uh, drawn up and we're auctioning them off. You know, I could tell you how this thing has grown both in the numbers of players that have played over the years, but also maybe in the uh, good fortune of some of our players. I can vividly remember the first Calcutta that we did. There was an $80 pot that the winner got for having the winner winning golfer. I believe last year it was north of two. It was significantly higher than $80, I, I do recall that. I think, we had, so I think the, we had it north of, yeah. of 2K by the time <laughs> all was said and done at the end of last year. So the Calcutta, I think, is certainly the highlight of Friday night. 
as Keith mentioned, you come around on Sunday morning and all of a sudden it's like, hey, I want to buy into part of that guy. Yeah. Hey, I'll split that with you. Give you 25% of this guy if you'll give me 33% of this guy. And so the, the side action becomes pretty, I mean, you, you almost need a pivot table to keep track of all of it, an accounting degree. And so, and uh, but, but it gets enjoyable calculating those scores up uh, whenever, the, the uh, when I say scores, uh, I would say the, uh, the the monies that have changed hands on Sunday afternoons. And so, uh, you you, uh, you, you got to keep track of that. So. I think the other great part of it is, you know, roughly, let's say, a third of the field every year after Saturday, they're totally screwed. They're not going to win it. That also helps having a little bit of action in there, having a rooting interest to keep folks interested Absolutely. for Sunday um, as far as the, uh, the betting goes. You know, one thing that I'm actually going to be announcing it live right here on the pod. Oh, new this year. breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. Breaking, breaking news. news. We have, do we have a breaking, we need like a you, breaking you've news? You've heard gong it here first. A, uh, let me see. I don't, I don't know if I have a gong. I don't, I don't think that qualifies. Right now, this is, this is going to be good, right? We can go, we can go applause. Okay. I don't know. People are excited. People are excited. Okay. So, uh, so new this year, we are actually going to have odds on every golfer in the field. Wow. We That's are going big time. to have odds on the individual matchups in the field brought to you by Slump Buster Sportsbook LLC. That's that's fantastic. So, so on Friday night, we're going to be taking those bets. You're going to be able to bet on whatever golfer in the field that you want to bet on in addition to auctioning up, bidding up to the Calcutta. So a lot of reasons to, to kind of get involved, to stay involved in the tournament, kind of keep your eye on it, pay attention to it. Because as we all know, you know, gambling is probably the biggest uh, and most exciting part well, of golf. It's fun, right? One of the the, the more enjoyable aspects of sports uh, in in general, especially whenever you get to our age. And, and obviously, uh, uh, we can't quite as compete uh, on the basketball court or on the football field or on the soccer field uh, the way that we could as younger men. And so, golf becomes a uh, uh, our our forum uh, for for that level of competition for sure. This so it's probably the place um, where we're supposed to say like you know if you have a gambling problem, call one eight. Yeah, well, I'll I'll like I'll edit in the uh, uh, in yeah, yeah 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 the public service announcement uh, in post. <laughs> so we'll take care of that in post. But you know I, I will say unfortunately I won't be able to compete in the tournament this year because I have some commissionarial duties uh, associated with a college football fantasy league on Saturday midday. That's going to take me away from the tournament, but I am excited. However, I am excited to announce that the Sports Pros Network and yours truly will be the roving reporter both Saturday morning for the early tee times, and then obviously we'll be there all day on Sunday. So we'll pick up with the early rounds on Sunday, and then I'm telling you, you guys are going to get a kick out of that on next <laughs> week's pod whenever we go through, edit, pull all those together, uh, and, and have uh, so much to talk about and uh, reveal the results um, of the 2020 Slump Buster Invitational, the 15th annual uh, Slump Buster Invitational. So, so JT, I won't make you make any picks here because well, yeah, you are the commissioner, like and you are yeah. This is this is a, this is your Herbie like, moment. Oh, I can't right. You, I'm you the game. I can't. What I will ask you for is is give me a couple of things to look for on Saturday and Sunday, and perhaps a couple of golfers that we need to keep our eye on. But again, won't make you make the pick because you are competing, uh, and then maybe I'll do that for you. But but give me a couple of things to look for on Sunday. Who do you who do you expect to maybe be in the running? Uh, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's a lot of big storylines uh, going into this year. I think from a notables perspective, you have the best player to never win a slump buster kind of thing in a 
streak sort of way. Our, our man Sean Lambert of uh, of the Wobbly Knob fame has played in every only other person besides me to play in every single slump buster and has yet to come away with the victory. So in very much you know Phil Mickelson we talked about Phil earlier mm-hmm. never won a U.S. Open a lot of close calls. Sean has been in the playoff a couple times has some close calls. Yeah. Somebody to keep an eye on. If you're looking maybe for a dark horse, a feel-good story perhaps, I would definitely uh, point to Sean Lambert. I think another big, big item that everybody's excited about is the Beaver brothers are making their return to Slump Buster. Tyler Beaver, John Mark Beaver, John Mark, our 2007 champion. Ty Beave really has never contended, but always good for a laugh. Both are going to be playing after a multiple-year hiatus of, uh, of sitting it out for a variety of reasons. We're going to assume that Ty Beave actually shows up. I'm say, sure I, 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 going. I still can't believe it. So the, the fact that you can get both Beaver brothers at, in the same place at the same time, I'm, I'm still dubious, right? So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, but I, I, you know, Ty Beave, that, that was, one, it was going to be one of my guys to look forward to. So I feel like you know, at a 15 handicap, you're, you, you may be giving him you're, – you're generous here – Jay Till, you may be giving him a stroke or two, and that may be all the lefty needs uh, to uh, to slip in. And so maybe it's a lefty weekend, right? So maybe we get Phil at Wingfoot, and maybe we get Ty B be uh, at, at Lincoln Park. So, you know, sp- the sports world has a way of bringing things together that way. And so I, I'll, I'll say that uh, Ty B, my man, uh, I'm, I'm going to be out uh, uh, looking for him on Sunday afternoon. I think he's going to be in the running, uh, as well as yourself, Jay Till. So, I mean, obviously, you're, you're, you're modest here on the podcast, uh, as every good commissioner and founder should be. But uh, let us not uh, 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 lead our listeners astray in that uh, you're a pretty salty golfer yourself. So, I, I, would, I would expect you to be in the running. So, yeah, I think that's a great reason to keep, keep tabs on Ty Beeve. I think, ultimately, I'd probably point people uh, in a couple ways I got to come back to my guy, Trey Lewis. I mean, the guy is just silky smooth, great looking, I might add. Handsome devil. Handsome. That's indisputable. Yeah. Been in the playoff three straight years. He's going to be there at the end. I, 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 I just got to believe that he's somebody to look at. Somebody else, if you want to look for a little bit of value, I think, I think Bobby Gibson. You know, those two sexually square off uh, in that first match on Saturday morning. You know, Bobby's had a pretty long layoff because of family responsibilities over the, the past year or so, uh, which has you know, nudged the handicap up there a little bit. But, you know, beware of the injured golfer, they say. I would say beware of the long layoff golfer because they come out mind-free, low expectations, all of a sudden Absolutely. They're, out, they're shooting 75. So some of, my, some of my best rounds, personally, are after I haven't played in, in two months and I go out and just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tickled to death, and then obviously you go back the next day uh, and you piss it all away, and so so I, I can I can attest to that from an anecdotal level as well. Well, I, I, again, we're going to look forward to that over the weekend, and we're also going to look forward to and keep an eye on uh, the main topic of this podcast uh, this uh, uh, this evening for us. Jay, this evening for us, who, who knows when our listeners are listening to this, but we have to make our picks for the 2020 U.S. Open. And so JT and I have done hours upon hours upon countless hours of research. That uh, uh, that's a joke. Hours, um, yeah, that, hours, and hours. Gone into making our picks, and so you know, give our listeners a little bit of the format of what we're expecting here, right? So we picked five golfers uh, that we anticipate being in contention on Sunday afternoon, and then a dark horse pick. And how we defined a dark horse pick uh, was essentially a plus plus ten thousand, right? So a thousand to one to uh, odds. 
uh, to win the whole thing on Sunday. And so that was our dark horse pick. Who do you think might fall outside of the top 10, top 20 golfers uh, in, in a guy that will have a chance to be there on Sunday afternoon? So um, I'm going to start off, JT, and then I'll kick to you, and we'll go in reverse order here, let me, perhaps. Let me ask you something okay. just real, real fast before we get started on this, okay? I, I like to be one of those guys in the room that asks the questions that everybody else in the room is thinking but is not brave enough to ask. For our listeners who may not be as savvy when it comes to the betting game, when it comes to making those wagers, explain kind of that whole plus 1,600 versus 16 to 1 just, just give us a, just give us thirty seconds on how that works. So when we're, when we're espousing our picks here, folks kind of know uh, what kind of value they're getting. Essentially, so let, let's let's take one of my guys, Phil Mickelson, that we'll get to here in a moment. He's plus eight thousand, plus seventy five. That, that's essentially a seventy five to one, eighty to one odds is what we're talking about, right? So if you bet one dollar. Phil Mickelson wins the tournament, you'll win $80 in return. And so essentially you take whatever that plus figure is and, and you can you can divide it by a hundred. So is if people are used to the about. whole fifty yeah. to one, ten to one, you basically add a couple zeros on yeah. the end, and yeah. that's that's what we're talking about. It's it's a it's a fancy churched up way uh, that that Vegas posts the odds uh, on golf or and on sports in general, right? So but a plus is is typically a good thing, right? So the odds are against them, right? So the 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 flip side of that would be the the minus side, which means you have to lay more money in order to win that money. So let's say, for instance, uh, Tiger Woods back in the day during his his sure. tear in the early two thousands and two thousand one, he might have been a minus one twenty five. Well, essentially what that would mean is that you would have to bet $125 in order to win $100. So you had to lay more money uh, and put more money at stake because they were such a prohibitive favorite. Now, in the real golf world, that that's that's rare, right? So it's really hard to win a, a major golf tournament. It's really hard to win a golf tournament in general, uh, including the slump buster. So most of the guys that we see on the tour nowadays are typically have a plus number in front of them. Uh, for instance, the favorite this week, I, I believe, is Dustin Johnson, and, and rightfully so, given his tear uh, during the... Uh, um, the FedEx Cup run, and then obviously closed that out last uh, weekend on the uh, on the uh, the Tour Championship. But he's a plus seven hundred, plus seven fifty, which is essentially seven to one, right? Which is good odds, uh, especially uh, for a golfer of his caliber, caliber and a guy that's on the hot streak that he is. But even then, it takes into account that it's really difficult to win a golf tournament, especially a major championship. And so that's what we're talking about on that front. But I'm going to go with my first guy, and this is going to be my pick to win the tournament, Jay Till. Okay, going so pick um, to win, right, right out of the yeah. box here. Okay, and, and, and it's it might I would say it's controversial, but but maybe a little off the beaten path uh, with regards to you think about the DJs, you think about you know John Rahm and JT, uh, the other JT, I should say, you're the JT. Thank you very and much. Let's talk about Justin Thomas. That that's uh, uh, so high in the world golf rankings, but give me Xander Shoffley. Uh, at 16, uh, it's varied between the X-Man. 14 to 1, plus 14, plus 1,600, somewhere in that 15 to 1 range. Let's call it that. Um, he's played really well recently. So he, he's had a lot of, of top 10 finishes, top 20 finishes. The guy, he, I, I'm, I'm super confident he's going to make the cut first and foremost. He, he's just been so consistent and so steady. And he's one of those young golfers that kind of seem to be on the cusp, right? He's, he's one major Absolutely. championship away. When's he going to break, break through, right? Is it going to be this weekend? Perhaps it's the you know Masters later on. Uh, we, we'll, get it, we'll get into that in future pods as to the goofy schedule uh, that COVID has brought us this year. But uh, he's going to be my guy. I think he's one of those young guns that's ready to break through. And so I'm going to go Xander Shoffley as my pick to win the U.S. Open this weekend at, we'll say, 16-1. to 1. 
I love that pick. I love that pick. In fact, you know, in our research, I, I kind of thought you were leaning that way. Uh, I also like Xander. However, in the spirit of giving our listeners another really great winner pick, I'm going to go with John Rom. I'm going to go with the Spaniard. The guy is a complete unit. He drives the ball great. Big hitter, the Spaniard. Big hitter. Great iron player. Probably the biggest thing that has me picking him is he is an absolute magician with the 60-degree wedge around the greens. To be such a big dude and to have such great touch with the 60-degree wedge and in is, that's not common. I would, it's maybe more common today than what it was five, ten years ago, but you're right. He, he's, he's, he's impeccable to watch. And what's the, the U.S. Greens. Open about? It's about getting up and down, making a lot of pars, avoiding bogeys, frankly, avoiding double bogeys. That 60-degree wedge around the green is going to get him up and down enough times that, in my opinion, he's going to be kissing that trophy on Sunday night. Certainly in great form right now, and you would anticipate him to be there on Sunday afternoon. One and I way believe the uh, the, uh, his odds are plus 1,000, I believe, somewhere in that okay. nature. Yeah, it's 10 uh, to 1. I think that's right, give or take. Yeah, yeah. 10 to I, 1. I think that that's right. So change it up on you here a little bit, JT. So we both picked our winners. Okay. Let's go to what we would consider – are two, three, four, five, right? So who else is going to be there so uh, whenever right? whenever it matters, right? And so I'll defer to you. Let's go reverse order here. So you tell me who your other four golfers are that you think maybe maybe in those final two or three pairings on Sunday afternoon. If you don't at this point go with a Dustin Johnson, you know you're just you're just kind of being a contrarian. I would say at this point, DJ has had What's a run like? had a run through like? the playoffs. We're talking about you know minus thirty at the uh, the Northern Trust. He basically he basically won all three. You know he after seventy two holes he was tied with Rom for that playoff. So you could make you could kind of make a backwards argument. He actually didn't finish for worse than first in any of the three tournaments of the FedEx Cup. And you say, well, yeah, this is the U.S. Open. How does that taking it deep under par translate? One Olympia Fields that was basically a U.S. Open light. Yeah, I want to say the you know the winning score was in the, the you know, at a very you know, one two under par. DJ has won a U.S. Open at Oakmont. Okay, Oakmont is right there with Wingfoot with Shinnecock as the you know probably the three toughest. You know, maybe throw Pinehurst number two in there as the kind of the elite U.S. Open courses. Probably the only reason to not pick DJ to win and not have it be my first pick is that everybody's picking DJ. And so I'm gonna slide. I'm gonna slide him down one notch, but you, but you just can't let him go past number two. No, I, I I agree. I agree. So who else you got, uh, J. Till? Who who's your three, four, and five golfers? So from there, you know, I, I also like Xander, but again, we'll we'll kind of we'll throw some extra guys in there. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw two guys at you that you might not expect that uh, you would think to finish that high. One is I almost hate to make this pick because I cannot stand this guy, but Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed is another short game magician. He's normally, he's always, he, he plays a draw on demand. Mm-hmm. That draw gets a little hot. It leaves you in some bad spots, but he's getting up and down from everywhere. He's been playing pretty well over the last, you know, since the restart uh, coming out of COVID. Hasn't broken through with a really high finish. You know, he's kind of a psycho, which you got to be a psycho to uh, play well in a Which US is di- different from a sicko. We've established that. Different from that. a sicko. So, yep. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you Patrick Reed, and I'm going to give you some value there at plus... Plus thirty three hundred, plus thirty six hundred. Okay, so 
Definitely some value there. And another one uh, in that same range, Hideki Matsuyama. Mm-hmm. Again, the guy lately has been getting it up and down from everywhere, a ball-striking menace. He Actually, his putter has never been good. In fact, some have... Some, some say that they've actually never seen Hideki make a putt. <laughs> I cannot confirm or deny that. He seemed to putt pretty well at Olympia Fields and he is in contention. This is not kind of the worst dress category. We, maybe that's something we talk about offline. He would qualify there as well. There's some flair to him. But I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to go with, uh, with Matsuyama in what would be my four hole. Okay. All right. Great. Great picks. Great picks. So let me, uh, I'll go through, and again, we agree on some of these. So I, DJ, I've got him in my, my top five as well. Again, why, why would you not throw him in there? Uh, I would be, it would be more surprising for him not to be in the final couple pairings on Sunday afternoon, uh, given his form. One pick that I'm going to throw out there that I think is in that ballpark of that 30 to 35 to one range is uh, give me the Englishman, Justin Rose. And we talked about uh, the pairing uh, that pairing. he's in with Rory and uh, uh, Adam, Adam Scott, Scott I sure. believe. And so I think that's going to be a good pairing for those guys. I think those guys are going to get on well on Thursday and Friday. Uh, and so I would anticipate him to have a strong round. And, and again, he, he's won the U.S. Open in the past, right? So he's been there. He's done that. Uh, a proven golfer. And, and so I, I like him to be there. One of my other golfers that I'll throw in, we've, we've made uh, mention of, is that, you know, call it nostalgia, call it whatever you, you, you want. I call it crazy if you want, but give me Phil Mickelson at 75 to 80 to one. Going so we're in that plus 8,000. Uh, be in contention. Again, I think he's going to be there. So he, he's, he's really been playing well over the summer. Yes. So you had mentioned since uh, uh, kind of the restart and uh, things kind of got going from COVID again. And so um, I think he's going to be there. If nothing else, think that that, that drive all the yeah. oxygen that Wingfoot has absolutely if the, Phil was in contention of the weekend making right the wrongs from 14 years ago will, will be part of the motivation and again I, I'm not going to go be so bold to say that he's going to win the whole thing at 50 years old uh, but I do think that he's going to play well right, and knows? I think he's going to be tunes there. into the pod he hears that we're propping him maybe that gives him a little bit of spark of life I mean it can't hurt there. It can't hurt, right? So we, we've seen that he he tweets back to guys that make bets on him, especially substantial <laughs> bets. So I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm uh, ready to go lay 45 grand on him or whatever that bet was that yeah, prompted that the guy, tweet. That uh, but yeah, that guy's doing all right, whoever yeah. he is. So good for him. So, But uh, that that's two of my other golfers. Who I've got in the five hole, give me Gary Woodland. He's been there, right? So he's tested. He's at 50 to one. You know, I don't think he's been quite as hot in the restart of some of these the other, other golfers that we've mentioned. Right. But uh, it, that, that's kind of his nature too, right? So he, he just kind of goes about his business. So he's not uh, he's not one of the guys that you see in the Twitter wars or in the spats or, or hear about him having bust-ups in the locker room and things of that nature. And so uh, I, I like the steady hand. Yeah, think, yeah, think back to a few, you know, a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago, whenever Jim Furyk was on such a run, right? And so he was just steady as she goes, right? So it wasn't super sexy uh, getting up and down. Uh, on, on some of these tough courses on a U.S. Open. He's kind of got that game, I feel, uh, that translates well to the open style of play, uh, and I expect him to play well uh, uh, this weekend as well. So give me a dark dark horse pick, Jay Till. Okay, so who do you horse. like? Again, we're talking 100 to 1 or greater odds, somebody who's okay, off the so beaten path. You can still get some really good golfers down at that level, and, and some of the names that we're going to throw out, I yeah, think, will right, be evidence to jump up and win. Yeah, yeah. Going to be going to be a Going to be a dark horse. Going to be a long shot, uh, as they say. Yeah, I could go a lot of lot of different ways with this. I thought the mega long shot, although he's still, I think, just a hundred to one. Uh, Jordan Spieth, that yeah. guy has been in the wilderness, uh, probably getting a little bit 
I mean, his odds are probably inflated because he's Jordan Spieth. Mm-hmm. I think anybody else who had the same results as Spieth has had would be way down the board. Thought about him. Thought about Brendan Todd. I mean, what what is the U.S. Open about? Hitting in the fairway, hitting on the green. Yeah, not, on the fairway, not super sexy. The green. Consistency. Not sexy. Yeah. I thought about B. Todd. We could be on Todd Watch this weekend. It'd be a lot of fun. Decided not to go that way. I'm going to go with everybody's favorite Frenchman, Shea Reve, a.k.a. Ches Reve. Oh, love it. Love 150 it. 150 to 1. I expect him to make an appearance on the leaderboard over the weekend. Don't think he'll probably get it done, but he's been playing well. He's got the big old hat on, mm-hmm. just fairways and greens. Give me Ches. I love it. Love the pick. I'm going down the list, and and I'm going to go with Kevin Kisner. And again, I to be honest with you, I was surprised oh, to see him at 100 to one because I think in the world golf rankings he's somewhere in the 30ish range, yeah. give or take. So um, not not as if he's, he's an un, yeah unknown quantity uh, by by any means, but. Um, he qualifies for what we consider a dark horse pick here. And so, uh, again, at, at, at plus 10,000, 100 to 1, give me Kisner as my guy uh, I mean, to heck, be there on Sunday. Had, he's had three top fives yeah, since Yeah, he's playing really good. He's yeah, only missed yeah. one cut. Now, granted, that cut was at the tournament. The Memorial played mm-hmm. really tough. So, that's what, what did he finish at the uh, at the BMW? T25, okay, so he made, yeah. made, a, he made a week of it. Uh, I like his uh, little... You know, I don't know if you saw this, the controversial, his controversial tweet this week when he was uh, being a little I did bit not. disparaging about COVID. But uh, he since apologized. Okay. So maybe the apology gods are on his side, and he'll he'll come through this week. Well, those guys, I mean, they they need to stay off Twitter, especially when it gets to the, those types of topics. So it seems like they they get themselves into trouble more. Probably often had a couple cold Miller so, lattes one yeah, night. Yeah, there's some adult beverages stuff that, off on that, Twitter that he shouldn't have. But I, I love kids. That's a great. That's a great pick as a dark. And, okay. and again, like you said, golly, you just. You just uh, say, is Kevin Kisner a dark horse? You say, probably not. So you get in dark, dark horse odds, you got to lay some money. Like the value, like the value. So, so JT, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's going to be the winning score, the, the four, 72 holes? You know, are, are we below par? Give me, give me what the winning score is going to be Sunday afternoon. I am going to say we are going to have a plus two U.S. Open champion. Plus two. Okay. I, I, I cannot see this. What happens typically on Thursday is early, somebody makes a little bit of a run in a U.S. Open. Somebody gets to two, three, four under par, and everybody thinks, oh, my gosh, like, what's going on? This is in the U.S. Open. But slowly as the week goes on, the pressure mounts. The course always gets tougher. The course gets tougher, gets firmer, gets faster. Plus two. You heard it here first. Okay, so over par. So winged foot is going to live up to the reputation. Uh, it's going to play over par on this weekend. So I was go- I was going to lean towards one under as my my winning score. I think there might be one or two guys that that are flirting around even par. That's going to be right there. And so so give me one under as my winning score on Sunday. Whenever it's all said and done, after all two hundred and eighty eight holes. Uh, or, or, or wait, where I said 272 holes, I should say. So I was thinking, 280 strokes. Yeah, yeah, 280 strokes. Yeah, uh, but I, case, I'm going to go 279. 279. So that's what I'm going to go with. Well, well, Jay Till, you know, I think that just about does it for this initial golf pod, man. So all that's left now is to enjoy the tourney uh, this weekend, see what happens, and along those lines, I mean, good luck to you this weekend in the 15th annual Slump Buster Invitational. I'll be there reporting and, on it and live. Some might, some so, might be asking, why in the hell? 
Did you schedule your big golf tournament with your buddies on U.S. Open weekend? <laughs> well, clearly this was not U.S. Open weekend a year ago when we picked these dates, nor was it an OU home game weekend, so we avoided that COVID death march of not getting a game rescheduled down in Norman. But lo and behold, the USGA thinks they can go up against the Slump Buster Cup. I'm sure viewership there will be down. The rating, ratings will be close. Yeah, yeah it'll be so close. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah. Probably didn't have a lot of dates to choose from. Bad look on their part. But, yeah, thanks. I appreciate the, the kind words about Slump Buster. Always fun to talk about that. And uh, going to be blessed with a great weather weekend and a, and a great event. Well, well, JT, you know, we're, you're going to be a weekly contributor to the You're Still Out Golf podcast as we move forward. But for our listeners out there, you know, are you on social media? Do you do anything? you post anything about golf, your picks, uh, your golf musings uh, that, that our listeners can kind of follow you uh, on social media and keep up with all the things that you're doing? Well, I guess I'm going to have to now. Uh, at Jonathan Teal so very straightforward uh, J-O-H-N-A-T-H-A-N Teal like the color you can thank my mom for that extra H in my name but yeah definitely during Slump Buster Week I'm pretty active out there and uh, you know with the inaugural pod that we're firing out I would think that uh, the golf musings as you put it ratcheted up a bit on the old Twitter. Well, handle. you you got you got to share your your golf knowledge with the world. I mean, you're sure. you're doing the rest of the world a disservice by not doing so. Well, again, I, I appreciate you being in studio with me for this premiere episode, and I look Thanks forward for to the me. next one, bud. So, and while this will wrap it up for episode one, the conversation doesn't end here, gang. To keep it going and to also keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network, check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros, and that's pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. Enjoy the golf this weekend, and hit them straight. Good luck, and take care, everyone. Maybe. Yes, sir!